Hello, and welcome to Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. I'm your host, Inman Narwin, and I use they-them pronouns. Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness is a collectively-run publisher, dedicated to producing and curating inclusive and intersectional culture, informed by anarchistic ideals. On this podcast, we have audio versions of our monthly featured zine, read by a brilliant voice actor, along with interviews with the author. We also make these really cool little quarter-sized zines of the monthly feature, which you can get mailed to you anywhere in the world if you sign up for our Zine of the Month Club on Patreon. But you can also read along for free on our website, tangledwilderness.org. This month, we have something really wonderful. We have a small portion of Lidlech, Songs of Love, Devotion, and Resistance from the Jewish Exile by Aurora. For this mini-zine, we have compiled a small snapshot of songs and histories from the book, focusing on partisan songs written by resistance fighters of the, of the Vilna Ghetto. For the audio feature, we have recordings of Aurora performing three of the songs. Two of them are by Hirsch Glick, Zognit Kemul, or Never Say, and Still De Nacht, or Quiet Is The Night. For the third, we have Better Cotton, or Barricades, written by Schmerke Kazerzynski. Although we don't have a recording of it being performed, our mini-zine also um, has a version of This is Given a Summer Dog, or It Was on a Summer's Day, by Rick Laglazer. To follow along in Yiddish or English, check out the free PDF of Lidlec on our website, or sign up for our Zine of the Month Club to receive it in the mail. The zine includes historical bios of the composers, but you can also stick around after the songs for an interview with Aurora about the project, the history, and the music featured in this book. These songs as written and as performed by Aurora are just truly spellbinding and beautiful, and we feel so very honored to be able to present them to you. Mit 
besorgt nicht kein Mal, als du gehst im letzten Weg. Vor Schimmeln bleiben, ich verstehe im neuen Tag. Kommen wird noch unser euch gebankter Schau. Das Wetter peugt und unser Tod mir seinen Tod. Kommen wird noch unser euch gebankter Schau. Das Wetter peugt und unser Tod mir seinen
Stay in. 
Um, hi, and uh, welcome to the Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself with your name and pronouns? And I don't know what 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 are you here for today? What do you and what what do you do in the world? Uh, my name is Aurora. I use she/her pronouns, and I do many things in the world. But my favorite thing is music and. I have been playing music since I was seven years old. I have played many different instruments, but for the last 10 years or so, the accordion and the guitar are my favorites. And um, I've known about Yiddish music my whole life, but in the last few years have gotten much deeper into it. And that has been kind of the focus of my music world for a while now. Cool. That's great. And we just heard you play some uh, incredible songs. Um, I'm, we, we haven't recorded them yet, but um, so we, I haven't actually heard them, but I've heard you play music before. <laughs> and so I'm assuming that they're going to be <laughs> incredible. And Future Me um, is, is, just, is just baffled by them. <laughs> Um, but I have read the songs, and I have read this beautiful uh, songbook um, that you submitted to us. <laughs> and um, I want to I want to start off by, like, I guess asking if you want, would like to kind of introduce this uh, like songbook in um, in your own words, so, like what just like what what is what is this project for you? Yeah. Um, so this book 
started as a much smaller, uh, just personal project, kind of around the beginning of COVID times. Um, like most of us, that was a very dark and very hard time for me. Um, one of the darkest times in a while. And during those days, um, I started listening to some records that I had checked out from the college library like a year before and hadn't listened to them yet. And they were all Yiddish, um, Yiddish songs from cantors and folk music. And I just couldn't stop listening to them. And um, that sort of was a jumping off point for me to get much deeper into Yiddish folk music. And so after about a year of, of that, um, I decided to just make a little book for myself of all of the Yiddish songs I had learned, because I had learned quite a few by then. And I intended to just make a little book and maybe give a couple copies to my friends. And then it turned into a much bigger project, and I started researching the people who the songs were written about and who wrote the songs, and the bulk of the music um, was partisan songs from World War II, um, from the Holocaust. And so I started learning about the people involved in that time period. And it became a much bigger project and kind of an entire book. And then many people wanted it. And so that is kind of how I came to this place now. Dang, that that is quite like an evolution of of a project. I've never done a project like this. And um, I mean, I've always loved music, like I said, and folk music, especially. So I've definitely done research before and looked into different folk music traditions and um, grew up with Yiddish folk music here and there, not a ton, but, um, but this is the first time that I've actually created something from that and taken the research that I've done and sort of uh, consolidated it into um, like its own sort of entity. Um, so that feels exciting because I've been interested in these things forever, but this is the first time that I've actually made what kind of feels like an, an almost ethnographic um, artifact of this music. Yeah, I, I know it's 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 probably like a pretty, I feel like some of the answers are like pretty, pretty obvious, but just to kind of put it in in your own words, um, like or like why why is this why is this important or like why um why did the or why did this feel important to to do as you uh continue to like research and like evolve the project yeah i mean that does seem like a simple question and yet i feel like i could talk about that for like our entire time together <laughs> there's so many things <laughs> in that um but i suppose Kind of in a nutshell, um, I feel like this, I've been sort of around this music for a long time, as I mentioned, but never super deep in it. And it kind of came to me at a moment in my life where I really needed it, um, as things like this often do. And so it was kind of through that um, that I felt like, so part of the importance to me is that this music and a lot of this music 
have words and melodies that have been sung uh, by Jewish people for hundreds and sometimes thousands of years. So there's that connection. Um, and it feels important to sort of continue, I guess, like carrying those songs into the future. Uh, in some of the lyrics themselves, it talks about singing the songs from generation to generation. And there's kind of a continuation of a musical tradition um, in the Jewish world. And so that's kind of, I think, the main thing that feels important to me. And also, like I said, these this music came to me at a particular time. And I think because of that, it sort of helped me understand the importance of continuing to have space for this musical tradition to stay alive. Yeah, yeah. And you're like the, for listeners, um, these, uh, the songbook that we hope that you're looking at on our website or have, if you've received it um, in the mail, if you're one of our, our Patreon backers, this is really just like a small snippet of like a much, much, much larger uh, book that Aurora has put together. And um, uh, we kind of, we kind of chose to focus for this uh, little collection on um, some of the uh, like partisan songs. And I was wondering, Aurora, if you would want to give a little, maybe like a little like historical backdrop to um, the Vilna ghetto. Yeah. Um, which which I think is where all of the songs that we included are from. And maybe you'll uh, fact, checked, fact check me on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think all the songs in the book and certainly all of the ones in the mini zine are um, specifically related to the Vilna ghetto. That's kind of where most of my research was. Um, Vilna is the old name for Vilnius, which is the capital of Lithuania. And so during the Nazi occupation of Lithuania and Poland, um, which, you know, the borders were not exactly what they are today, but um, they created ghettos in, um, some of the main ones were in Vilna and Warsaw and Krakow and, um, some major cities but of course there were smaller ones too but they made ghettos that they forced the Jews into and they were um, mostly very 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 small with many people in them and so the partisans were the resistance fighters and the songs that are in my book are written by and for uh the partisans, basically, although many, many people in the ghettos who didn't necessarily, who weren't part of the armed resistance, um, they also sang and wrote songs. And the Jews in the ghettos were extremely creative and actually very prolific with music and poetry and literature and uh, drama. There was a lot of creativity going on. And so these songs are kind of just um, a very small look into that whole world of creativity that was present even in the ghettos, even as um, people were being taken away to the death camps and um, 
the liquidation of the ghettos, there was still a lot of creativity going on. So this is just like a small glimpse into that. And it is it is a very it's a very beautiful little little glimpse into it. I know that like reading like reading a lot of the songs and then like re like our the songs are like beautiful on their own and like easy I feel like fairly easy for to like contextualize within those settings. Um but I feel like the addition of like a lot of the little like bios and like historical backdrops on like the on the the authors and the composers um like really added another level of I guess like like intimacy or like context to the songs that made them I don't know for me like like all the more like beautiful or all the more sad but I since we did not include those bios for our our listeners I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about some of the of the composers um and I'm gonna hopefully pronounce names a little bit well um but do you want to tell us a little bit about um uh, Hirsch Glick um and uh the two songs that uh that he wrote that we included yeah definitely um and also I just want to say I had a similar experience of when I started to research the people it really made the songs a lot more I think intimate is a really good word for it um and when I first heard a lot of these songs, I didn't really understand Yiddish at that time. And so, and I just loved them and learned a lot of the lyrics before I knew Yiddish. And then later, um, as I was learning Yiddish, I began to understand what all these songs were about. And I was blown away um, at how much the feeling actually comes through, even when you don't know the words. And then learning about the people added that whole other layer. So yeah, that is, um, I think knowing about the people in the context is really important. So um, Hirsch Glick <clears throat> was a Yiddish poet and he was born in Vilna. Uh, he was born in 1922 and he was very involved in the artistic community and he was part of the underground in the ghetto he participated in the 1942 uprising and was a poet and a songwriter. And he wrote, um, after the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising in 1943, people in Vilna were very inspired by that and hoping to have um, a more successful uprising in the Vilna Ghetto. And so Hirschglick wrote his song, Zognit Kein Mol, which means never say. And that was a very important song and sort of is known as the anthem of the Jewish partisan movement. He also wrote Stil die Nacht, which is um, about a sort of legendary act of heroism by Wittne, Wittne, uh, Wittne Kempner, which who we'll also talk about. Um, but she, um, she snuck into the forest before the partisans were stationed out there and so the Germans didn't expect to be attacked out there and she as the story goes she very famously um, kind of blew up a, a German train that was full of ammunition so anyway Hirschglick wrote that song to commemorate her and that act which was very inspiring to a lot of people 
he escaped from the Vilna ghetto when it was being liquidated and was sent to a concentration camp in Estonia, um, where he continued to write many poems and songs. And eventually he escaped, but then he was never heard from again. And it is assumed that he was um, captured and executed by the Germans. Dang. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, the more that I dive into like learning about like little like bits of history from from uh, like uprisings that were happening um, in in like Jewish ghettos um, and concentration camps, the more that I like it's it's sad because there's like a lot of like similar like there's like so many similar stories, but there is also this like this thread of people like doing like really incredible things like in like the face of like all of this and like i don't know it just <laughs> it makes me want to it, it i just yeah the the more i learn about it the more like inspired and heartbroken that i am <laughs> yeah <about it. laughs> those things definitely go together um that makes sense with the context yeah what do i guess like like what are uh, these two songs by Hirsch Glick, Never Say and Quiet as the Night. Like what what are what are those songs like kind of going through or like saying to you? Well, um, they're both kind of inspirational in different ways. So Gneet Kane Mall is does very much have the spirit of an anthem. It's like the rhythm of it is much more um like driving and it's like a march almost and you can sing it really loud you know like yell it with lots of people and um because it's basically like a um a manifesto almost um in a way or like a call to yeah never say that you've reached the end of the road basically is the first line <clears throat> and it's a call to remember uh, it's kind of like never say die, you know, it's like the same kind of um, spirit of that. Mm -hmm. And it's also, you know, some of these songs are like really beautiful and poetic and sweet. And the imagery is like kind of softer um, or talks about nature. And some of the songs are violent and, um, intense in that way and I appreciate kind of both of those sentiments um, and this song is definitely like this song is written in blood this song is sung with guns in our hands like we we are never going to stop marching and this song is going to be passed down generation to generation basically it's a song to inspire people to never give up and keep fighting no matter what um, which is beautiful and um, very necessary. And then Stil die Nacht is also very inspirational um, <clears throat> and kind of has a different feel to it. And the way that I personally play it is um, like softer and slower than Zogni Kainmul. But, you know, you can play a song in any way and change the feeling of it. Um, but it's kind of more like a poetic um, uh, sort of 
homage to this person and this heroic event and is inspiring in kind of like a, a quieter but equally intense way. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of it's it's funny that you talk about kind of the um some of the cadences in the songs because um as I was transcribing and like tra- like uh like copy editing like them I was like saying this I was was like saying these the the Yiddish in my head and like I don't I don't know Yiddish and but I wanted to transcribe everything correctly but and so I was like saying them in my head and it was just like like slowly developing this like rhythm and like cadence and like seeing like the rhyme scheme of like a language that I don't know and just being like like just this little snippet of it being like, oh, wow, this is like, there's, there's so much going on in these, mm-hmm. in these songs that seem like at first glance, like a little bit simple, but like mm-hmm. then in like, like reciting them or like learning the cadences, just being like, oh, wow, wow. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing that that comes through. Yeah. That's what I mean. Music is so magical in that way. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, how did, do you know anything about like how the, um, how the, the, like, I guess like the, the melodies or like the, the musicality, like parts of these songs, like how they were developed? Um, there are various ways that that happened. Um, there was a tradition of, um, setting words to already existing melodies um, like with mm. one of the songs, um, she's given a Zumerfeld. It, it was on a summer's day. It's one of the saddest songs that was set to, uh, a melody that was a popular Yiddish theater song of the time called Papyrosen, which means cigarettes. And that happened often where there were poets who would write these poems and then they would be put to popular melodies. Um, and I actually read recently, so I'm not sure if this is absolutely true, but uh, I read recently that that was done because there were so many songs being written that they couldn't keep up with them and make uh, different melodies for all of them. So they would just put them to already existing melodies. And also, I think um, my personal thought about that is that people would already know these melodies and so it would be easier for them to then sing these songs um and then more people would be able to sing them (laughs) together and so i think that that was also part of it um and a lot of these songs are written by poets people who are not necessarily musicians as well um but sometimes there were musicians who would come up with their own melodies and some of them um are either the same as or inspired by much more ancient melodies of uh, much, much older Jewish songs or, or Jewish melodies. Um, so there's quite a few ways that uh, the melodic component of these songs kind of transpired and evolved. Dang, that's, that's really cool that that, or that kind of like transference of like, yeah, I, it would be really fun to see kind of like an evolution of, of like side by side of like those like melodies and like songs and like mm-hmm. stuff is that do you do you, yeah. do you ever do you ever think about doing 
doing doing like recordings or things like that. Oh yeah, that would be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or just like I know, um, like I, I know me and you have talked about this before, but just the way that songs evolve is just really fascinating to me, or like the way that they're spread, um, like hearing or i guess my example is always like um irish uh ballads or irish and english in english ballads and like seeing like a song or something that like appears in one tradition and then it's like wildly different in another tradition that 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 it was like geographically isolated from and it's just yeah it's just so fun to see yeah the, the thread of songs yeah Yes, the threads and evolutions and different versions. It's it's all fascinating because when they're put all together, they form kind of a tapestry of, or like a web of the whole entirety of the, kind of the spirit of the song. Yeah. And do you, do you, I'm wondering if you know anything about this. Um, I feel like it's like one of the, the questions in history, which is like, I know that Hirsch Glick's uh, songs were like, like wildly spread over the continent in like a very short time period like a like a like never say as you say became like this like anthem and I I read some little bit about it when I was uh trying to find out more about it that it was like it made it to like Russia it made it to like all over Europe in these like kind of like short time periods um do you know anything about how like like how was music spread in these like moments of like isolation and separation? Yeah. Um, I mean, that is, it is really fascinating that it is possible for things like that to spread uh, uh, so much during times like this of war, of isolation, of people being deported and killed and um, contained. And yet people manage uh, somehow they manage to find each other and spread word. Um, and I think that, I mean, many people were uh, able to sneak in and out of the ghettos miraculously and go to different towns and they would send news and messages um, from town to town. And it was really hard, really dangerous work to do those things, but people did it. And so I think that that is how it happened. And it's actually miraculous what people are able to do. And also very special that some of the things that were important to spread were songs um, because Mm -hmm. music and um, artistic things are, well, very important. to the Jewish people and during these times were huge in keeping up people's spirits, essentially. And um, so spreading the music is sometimes just as important as spreading an important message to your comrades in another city. Yeah, yeah. It's so wonderful. And like, I'm also trying to imagine it from like the... it's horrible to think of imagining anything from the perspective of the Nazis, but like, (laughs) like I'm imagining them like hearing like the song (laughs) 
in like Vilna and then like getting like replaced what I don't know what they call it um Mm -hmm. in like somewhere else and like hearing it again and being like what the fuck how How did this song get here the song is following me yeah (laughs) um yeah I mean they would probably and like I don't know I I hope that there's some like haunted I really hope that there. I really hope that there were like some soldiers who were like just feeling like personally haunted by these <laughs> things. I'm sure there were actually. I mean, they probably would just think it was some kind of like weird Jewish magic or something. But um, nevertheless, I hope that they were haunted by it. <laughs> yeah. Do Do you want to tell us a little bit more about um, speaking of kind of like the spread of like really rad things um do you want to tell us a little bit more about uh vitna kepner oh yeah yeah she was a very important um person during this time period and her and an abba kovner um who is not in my book but um he was the leader of the resistance organization in uh, Vilna. And he and Vitka and also this woman, uh, Rosha Korshak, the three of them were kind of like, a, they were a group. They were, it is said that they were all in love with each other. And so I feel like to mention one of them, I need to mention all three of them. And so I'll talk about Vitka specifically, but um, yeah, I think in looking at their history, the three of them were often together, were fighting together, planning together, and lived together after the war as well. And so it um, feels important to say all of their names um, as a group. But um, Vitka was um, born in 1920, so she was in her early 20s during the occupation of Vilna. And um, she was part of the Paranikte Partizaner Organatia, the FPO, which was the United Partisans Organization in the Vilna Ghetto. And um, her and Abba Kovner and Rosha Korshak um, kind of led the group of partisans and recruited people in the ghetto to fight with them. The the main story about Vitka, well, one of them that I've already mentioned is that later during the war, the partisans were would hide out in the woods, and that was kind of their spot. Um, but before they started doing that, um, the Nazis were not thinking that they would be in the woods. And so Vitka um, and one or two other partisans went out into the woods in the night to sabotage uh, a caravan like a train of ammunition and the legend goes that she destroyed the caravan with a single shot from her pistol but there are varying accounts of it so I can't say that one is particularly fact but that is the legend and regardless of I mean my personal thought about that is regardless of what actually happened the story of she did she did destroy the caravan, whether with one shot or with a bomb. Um, but that story became um, 
like this this legendary thing that inspired other people to fight and showed people that it was possible to fight back against the Nazis. And so I think that is what is important. And the facts are really interesting. And also the legend that it created is perhaps more important. And then having that song, Stiel die Nacht, written about her, for people to sing, it connects us to that story and reminds us that it is possible to fight and to win small victories. Um, the last lines of that song are about rejoicing at this small victory for our new free generation, which I think is really beautiful. Um, so Vitka and Abba Kovner and Rose, Rosha Korshak all survived the war. And um, after the liberation of Vilna, they formed a group called the Avengers. Um, and their purpose was to attack, murder, and sabotage SS officers. And they continued to do that for years. Um, and they were, yeah, they were very dedicated to that cause. And theirs is an interesting history that I won't get into too much here because it's a much larger conversation but they were um early zionists essentially which many people were in the ghettos uh, many people weren't but some were as well and that was sort of part of their um their their drive for that uh to continue to brutally sabotage the nazis which is fantastic and also they had like one of their drives that kept them going was this very early form of Zionism, which is, you know, that, that word is, um, has lots of stigma these days. And it's, I think it's a fascinating thing to talk <laughs> about the people in the ghettos and how they experienced that. And, um, so the three of them ended up living, um, on a kibbutz in Israel together after the war and, um, they all died there thing of like of of old age I'm assuming. yeah yeah that's really that's really beautiful um yeah I feel like that that or yeah seeing like some of the I know we hear all these like stories about like um people doing really awesome things that unfortunately did get them killed and it's so wonderful to have these stories of people like doing really incredible things throughout like the entire war and then like getting out and, and like, and living past living entire lives after that is just, mm -hmm. just really, just really nice. Yeah, I agree. It is amazing that people survived what they did. Yeah. It's also, I don't know, it's like fun to see like different threads of like, like this was going on in Vilna and like, um, I don't know a ton about this history, but like, in, or like I think of um, the Dutch resistance fighter, uh, like Hani Schaft and like their whole group, they were doing like very similar things in like a different part of the world and which was mur murdering Nazis um, okay. and like luring them into the woods to kill them. And <laughs> I love that. I love that the woods kind of like occupies this, this space of being, yeah. <laughs> um, especially because like in 
like folklore in that part of the world. Like the forest <laughs> is the the dark forest. It is dangerous. Okay. And I love that it was so dangerous for the Nazis. Yeah. In such a place <laughs> of like death, death for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Death and the unknown. And yeah. Um, so we we have two more kind of like bios and like songs um, in this book, and was wondering if you wanted to tell us a little bit about um, uh, Schmirk Kaczynski and <laughs> R- Rickley Glazer. Yeah. So let's start with Rickley. Her song "Sizgaven Azumatog." Um, it was on a summer's day is actually one of the first uh, songs that I learned in Yiddish long before I could really understand it. And it's one of the saddest songs, I think. Um, It's very beautiful and it's extremely sad. And it was written by Rikla when she was only 18. And she lived in the Vilna ghetto and was a poet. She was also part of the underground and the resistance she uh, shortly after she wrote this song she was put on a train that was destined for a death camp but she escaped somehow and she joined the partisans in the woods and she stayed there and fought with them for the rest of the war and a number that i have is that of the 60,000 jews of vilna that were alive in 1939 Rickla Glazer was one of about 3,000 who survived to see the liberation of Vilna. And this song, um, I feel like, really poetically, really beautifully, and really tragically um, kind of captures that whole story. It's I've noticed that in many, many, many Yiddish songs, whether they are partisan songs or other folk songs, whether they're sad or happy, Um, there is so much, there's a lot of lines about nature, um, and the images of nature are used in various ways to kind of, um, express the feeling of the song. And in this one, uh, it starts with, Um, it was on a summer's day and all around was very beautiful and uh nature had so much charm the birds sang and hopped around and we are ordered to go into the ghetto is the first verse and i feel like that is a really kind of intense and poignant way to start this song which is which is about people being deported to death camps people being murdered um you know all kinds of really terrible graphic things. And it's, I think, really poetically fascinating to have this contrast of nature and sunshine and birds and then this extremely dark and horrific thing happening within that context. Um, And I feel like that's part of Rikla's um, kind of poetic genius in that song. Um, that's the one that is to the tune Papyrosen, the popular Yiddish theater song, which is also an interesting um, <laughs> combination. <laughs> yeah, what was the vibe of that song? 
it's like um the original song is just a melody it doesn't have words um that i know and it's yeah. a bit faster and, and it's like kind of a like fast like dancey song but with Siska Venazuma Dog, mm. um, it's much slower, and so it kind of has a more haunting quality to it, which is really amazing yeah. what you can do when you just change something like just the tempo in the song. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, um, that's really that's really cool. <laughs> what, or what has it been like to kind of like, have you had to like adapt any of these like, like melodies or like melodic components? Uh, your yourself or um, are there like kind of like uh, a lot of documented examples of like things to draw from or what kind of like was that process like for for you um yeah I mean kind of a mixture of those things um with some of the songs that I learn I try to be really true to whatever various originals um that being in quotations (laughs) that I've heard of them because I think it's really important and, and really uh, special to sing and play the same or similar melodies and words. Like I said before, as so many people have done um, to create that continuity and also folk music is the music of the people. And so it's constantly evolving and changing and growing (laughs) with us and so I think it's also really important to be part of that and to sing songs in our own ways and with our own feelings. Um, and so I feel like I kind of try to do both of those things. So I think they're both really important. And actually with um, uh, Body Cotton by Shmirka Kazadinsky, um, when I was mm-hmm. recording it for, for this, um, I was... I was realizing that I couldn't quite figure out how to play it like the versions that I'd heard of it. Um, it's, it's kind of like a very fast song. Mm. Um, it's also like, it's one of the songs in the street. It's like one of the songs that people are singing together in the street. And I was just like, how do I capture that? Like I, it's just kind of me and my guitar right here. Um, like, what am I going to do with this? And I was like, I could play it on the accordion and maybe make it like a marching thing or I don't know. Um, and then I decided, I was just like, how, how am I feeling about it right now? How do I want to play it? And so the version that I came up with just for now um, was a little bit slower. And the chords that I chose were kind of gives it a slightly less uh, like driving marching vibe. Um, and so I kind of created my own version of it, which I think um, it basically just allows a different way for the same song to be experienced. Um, wow. So, yeah, kind of a mixture of all of those things. Cool. That that sounds like a really fun process or yeah. Mm-hmm. Or is, is that a fun process to like to like kind of change i guess like change the vibes of the of the songs oh yeah i love it it's so fun and and you can always change it again you know like this is how i'm gonna play this song right now for this moment in this project and maybe when i play it again i'll change it and then another part of the song another aspect of it will be able to come out nice wow 
music's so fun. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit about Schmierke? Yeah, yeah. So Schmierke, I guess also in mentioning him, I would also mention um, this man, Avram Sutzgever, kind of like with Vitka and Abner and Rosha. Those two, Schmierke Kazerzinski and um, Avram Sutzgever, they were often together. So I feel like it is also important to mention their names together. Um, both of them were poets. Avram Sutzgever is uh, quite a famous Jewish poet from that time. And he and Schmierke were friends and um, comrades and fought together. Uh, Schmierke was uh, born in Vilna and also super active in the cultural life there and in the underground. And he wrote many, many songs. And as with many of the poets and musicians, they were they were writing these songs um, in part because they wanted to help bring comfort and encouragement to people living in the ghettos with that kind of constant oppression and uncertainty of their lives. Uh, they wanted to do whatever they could to try to kind of lift people's spirits and remind them that they have the energy to keep going and keep fighting. Um, and also something really special that um, Schmierke, Kasserzynski, and Avram Sutzgeber did is they formed a group called the Paper Brigade, um, which, because during this time, the Nazis were stealing um, as many Jewish cultural artifacts as they could. And they were, of course, destroying a lot of them, but also they were did this weird thing about cataloging artifacts of the cultures that they were destroying um so the the jews of the paper brigade would smuggle these cultural artifacts back into the ghettos um and hide them in all kinds of places um throughout the ghetto and sometimes if they were able to they would send them away to safer places um and it's because of this group and other groups like it that we have um, the cultural artifacts that we still have today. And so, and that was a very um, dangerous and brave thing to do because if you were caught with even one paper um, trying to smuggle it back into the ghetto, they would just kill you right there. Um, Holy shit. So it's, it's actually incredible the things that they were able to get back from the Nazis and um, sneak back into the ghetto. Yeah. So there was a somewhat unsuccessful uprising in the Vilna ghetto in 1943. And after this, um, Kasserzynski and Avram Sutzgever and many other partisans left. And that is when they pretty much spent the rest of their time in the surrounding forests. Uh, Schmierke was a chronicler of the Jewish experience um, around that time, and he collected and saved so many books and songs and testimonies, and um, he compiled them into books in his later years. Um, 
because he believed really strongly in preserving the artifacts and stories that showed what the Jews had faced uh, from the Nazis, as well as the creativity and the strength of the Jewish people in the face of this genocide. And he, in his later life, he lived until 1954. Um, so after the war, he would often travel to give speaking tours about his experience there and about partisan resistance um, and was very instrumental in preserving what we have left, the evidence we have left of that time. And sadly, he was killed uh, in 1954 in a plane crash in the Andes. Dang, that is very sad. But also just, I don't know, it's incredible the amount of work that he did to kind of to preserve like all of like all of these like cultural aspects of of the Jewish people like in like in in the Vilna like areas and like at large I don't know that's Mm -hmm. that's really cool and I really like or I'm curious your perspective on this like um or the what like the reason that I wanted to include um Barricade in, in this little collection is um I get I get like the sense of it that like it's a song that like I, I think sometimes we get these ideas like in resistance movements that there's like the resistance and then there's like the like everyone else and stuff mm-hmm. and that like the fighting is being done by like this like smaller group of people which you know in some ways that's true um but i feel like this song really like displays that it's this like huge and large like collective effort that is merely like done by like existing and going about daily life and i don't know i found i found that really beautiful and like or i guess the more that i learn about all of the the different like ghetto uprisings that seems to be like a or to to be like a trend these just like hugely large collective struggles yeah there's definitely um yeah i think both of those things were happening are happening um there is definitely a lot of tension between the resistance fighters and the other people of the ghettos Um, okay as there always as there always is um when there are you know there are different kinds of resistance and um when there are groups that are kind of more militant about it um they are often at odds with people who are less militant about it and um just to kind of simplify that that type of tension is almost always present in communities in large communities i think so that definitely existed and had its had various repercussions and also there were times where there was more unification of kind of a greater community resistance and i think especially with some of the um some of the kind of uprising tendencies against um like working conditions and um unemployment and poverty because based on things like that sort of tends to spur uh, greater amounts of the population to fight back. And so I feel like when that happens, 
then the more militant resistance fighters um, can kind of, they can all join together on more of a common ground. Um, and I think Body Cotton is a good example of that kind of unification of many people who maybe don't think exactly the same about what resistance looks like, but uh, can all come together to fight against the enemy that is oppressing everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that context in. Yeah. I feel like I, or sorry, I made, I made some kind of assumptions and I'm so, so thrilled to, (laughs) to learn like a deeper context behind it. (laughs) Was, was Barricade and like written, like, was it written about the, like about the failed uprising or. Um, no, I think it was, it wasn't about that particular one because it talks about uh, like people leaving the factories and workers' battalions taking the streets. So it's not so mm-hmm. much about um, like the deportation to the ghettos and um, the Nazi occupation in that specific context. This song is more about like workers taking the streets and definitely fighting against some of the same people, but um, it has a more like, we are all leaving the factories and fighting for better lives and better conditions. So it's kind of more the vibe of that. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Golly. It feels like there's so much going on. Would um would you ever would you ever think about doing like a larger history or like like historical like his historical contextualization of of the of like the Vilna ghetto? Well, yes, actually, that is my idea for my next project. <laughs> a um, a completely unscripted segue. <laughs> Yeah, that, wow, perfect. (laughs) Since you mentioned it. (laughs) Please um, tell us. (laughs) Yeah, that is exactly where I want to go. This book, uh, Liedlich, um, my my little songbook is just the tip of the iceberg. And when I made it, I didn't even know that much context. Um, And since then, I have, learned so much more and I know that there is so much more to dive into and so I definitely intend to take all of these songs and these people and get deeper into the the details of the history and the greater context and kind of build out that web that for which the songs are an entry point for me. I'm so excited for uh, you to do that and for um for that to exist in the world. And I, I hope you will consider us, uh, consider submitting it to strangers. Cause I'm sure we would love to love to publish it. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> to just cause we're getting on in time as like, I <laughs> try to try to keep these, these to, you know, like an hour and 15 minutes or something, but I feel like I could talk. <laughs> I feel like I want to talk about all of these things with you in like a much deeper context, which um, maybe when we, because we are, we are trying to 
adapt it, your your zine into like a larger a larger thing that hopefully people will be able to see more of that pay attention to us but uh and maybe so maybe there will be more opportunities to talk about stuff in the future um but is there is there anything else that you want to say about this about this project or this process that we didn't get to over the last hour <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh i mean yeah there are so many things and also i feel like what we covered is um a really nice glimpse into this world and um kind of this history that we're we're using music um kind of as a vehicle to enter into this history which i think is really beautiful and seems to be my main way of interacting with this history is through the music there are so many songs and people and voices um that are touched on in this book and they're all very precious uh to me and um I'm just so happy to be able to share this with other people. And um, I feel like it is personally important for me to kind of be a keeper of this heritage, this um, these traditions, and to be able to share them with other people feels like an incredible part of that because... Um, I think that the music wants people to know about it. And uh, the more we know about this history, the more we can honor it and move forward. Um, And that feels like a really beautiful and important part of this project that I didn't even consider would happen. And I'm uh, very pleased to be able to do that. Well, thank you so much for sharing it with us. Um, so, so like I said, eventually we're hoping to release a larger version of this with strangers, but, um, in, in the meantime, if listeners want to get the full version of this, is that something they can get from you? Um, I think so. Yeah. I have a, a PDF of it. Um, where could folks get a PDF from? Could they, could they contact you, um, for such a thing? Um, yeah, uh, they can email me. My email is viradea, which is V-I-R-I-D-A-E-A at gmail.com. Beautiful. Um, and I know you are not on the internet a lot, um, but mm-hmm. are there other places that people can find music of yours where, or you on the internet in a place that you would like to be found? Um. No, I'm not on the internet at all. There is nowhere on the internet where my music is. <laughs> um, yes. So if people would like to hear my music, um, I will send the, I can send them a cassette tape. That's, that's about as much as I can do at the moment. <laughs> um i i love i i love that sorry this i'm not trying to novelize this piece of you in the in the world but uh but i love it i love when you can't find things yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> and also feels very deeply honored that we are hosting some musical recordings of yours on the internet. And I, does that feel, does that feel fun? Um, yeah, it definitely feels novel to me. It's, um, yeah, well, this is the first time that my music will be on the internet in some way. <laughs> whoa, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess to kind of wrap things up um, in a switching gears kind of way, um, I have this new segment for the podcast that I've been wanting to do for a little bit. And I feel like you're a really great person to start it out with. And it's what I'm going to call the uh, the word word of the month um, segment. And it, I'm going to ask you about a word, and I'm going to ask you if you know the origins of it. And um, if you do, I would be thrilled to hear what you have. But it is a cold, cold <laughs> question. So... <laughs> Um, no pressure. And then I'm just gonna, just gonna give a little insight into this, into, into these words. Um, so the word of the month is, uh, cobalt. Do you, do you, are you familiar with this word? Cobalt. Hmm. It sounds familiar. Yeah. But, um, I think were I to give a definition, it would. What be is it? What does it sound like? Does it sound like any other words? Um, it sounds like cobalt and ribald. <laughs> um, so a a cobalt um, for maybe may more apparently uh, recognizable for all of our D and D nerds out there, um, but a cobalt is often <laughs> depicted in popular culture as a like small little goblin-like gremlin creature um, that is very mischievous. And they appear like that in folklore too. Like um, goblins are essentially like a, like some, the the word goblin is of uncertain etymology, but uh, a lot of people believe that it is linked to the word kobold. So like kobold goblin kind of similar figurations. But whereas goblin doesn't really have a traceable etymology, um, cobalt, you can trace to the Latin cobalus and then to the Greek um, cobalaus, um, meaning rogue or knavish or <laughs> impudent. Uh, it is also related to specifically the word cobalt, which is like a, a mineral. And it kind of comes from um, cobalt the mineral kind of gets its name from the creature cobalt cobalts, which were like often miners would encounter them in um, like mining for silver. Um, and they would find this other weird material, which is cobalt, this like blue, like hazy material um, that is known to give uh, miners like hallucinogenic visions <laughs> Um, and so there'd be these like people wandering around in these mining tunnels, like <laughs> getting high <laughs> off of these like hallucinogenic fumes and, um, having all these weird things happen and encountering these tiny creatures, which I feel like they, I feel like I don't want to say that the kobolds are just hallucinations. I feel like 
I feel like it's kind of both situations going on, you know. But so that is where the 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 mineral cobalt gets its name from is because people were like, yeah, there's these weird creatures wandering around in the dark doing mischief on people. <laughs> um, <laughs> and <laughs> and so that's where the word cobalt comes from. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. I had no idea. It makes so much sense, though. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't, w- words are funny like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. Um, and yeah, I hope that I hope that we get to to work together more. Yeah, thank you so much for having me do this, and I definitely look forward to future projects together. Great. Okay. Well, have a good day. Yeehaw. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go tell someone about it. Whisper its name in their ear. Hum its melodies to the winds of history, so that it too can haunt Nazis. Also, you can rate and review and like and subscribe, or whatever the algorithm's calling for. Feed it like a hungry god. But really, just tell people about it. It's the main way that people hear about the show, and honestly, one of the best ways to support it. However, if you want to support us in other sillier ways that don't involve feeding a nameless and mysterious entity, consider supporting the show financially by subscribing to our Patreon. If you subscribe to our Patreon at $10 a month, we will mail to you a zine version of the pieces that you hear here every month, anywhere in the world. You can also get access to an archive of Old Strangers content, as well as discounts on things like t-shirts and books we publish. Find us at patreon.com slash strangersinatangledwilderness. If you would like a full PDF version of Lidlec, you can contact Aurora at uh, viraday at gmail.com. That's V-I-R-I-D-A-E-A at gmail.com. Also, please let her know if you have, if you know of any grants or byways or to funding she can access to conduct a larger study of the history and music of Vilna. We have a new book out now, Escape from Incel Island by Margaret Kiljoy, a short action-adventure novel about escaping an island full of incels. If you would like to carry our books in your distro or bookstore, if you're in the U.S., contact AK Press, our distributor. Um, and, but if you're outside the U.S., get in touch with us at strangers.publisher at gmail.com. A dear friend of the Strangers Collective also has a book out now, Nourishing Resistance, Stories of Food, Protest, and Mutual Aid, edited by Ren Rye, along with a foreword by Cindy Milstein. Ren is an incredible writer, editor, and archivist. We just put out a new podcast called the Anarcho Geek Power Hour. It's a blast. It'll feature several different Strangers Collective members and guests. The first episode has Margaret and Io talking about Andor, and we'll likely do an in-depth interview with Margaret about Escape from Insel Island on there soon. Our theme music is by Margaret Kiljoy. Our zine layout is by Cassandra. And thanks to the lovely mountain goblins that mail out the feature every month. That's all my plugs, except for a very special series of shoutouts to these wonderful people who have helped make this podcast as well as so many other projects possible. Thank you, Hans, Ali, 
Paparuna, Milica, Boise Mutual Aid, Theo, Hunter, Sean, SJ, Paige, Mickey, Nicole, David, Dana, Chelsea, Kat J, Starro, Jennifer, Eleanor, Kirk, Sam, Chris, Micaiah, and Haas the Dog. Thanks so much for your support. It means so much to us and has allowed us to get so much done as a collective. And lastly, a lot of these features on the podcast come from listeners like you. So if you feel like a stranger that would like to find their story a home in this tangled wilderness, consider submitting it. We long for its melody. Next month, we have a lovely science fiction short story by G.J. Morbidelli called The Case of Arig Stay well. We hope you come back. <laughs>